beloved. Welcome to another mini-sode episode of my podcast, My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. My name is Nisi, and this is actually volume six of the mini-sode episodes. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking around because, girl, I know it has been a while since I have been recording. Uh, it's actually been a couple of weeks, and so much has happened between now and then. I think the last time I put out a podcast episode was on August 18th, and it is currently September 25th. So I apologize for the delay in getting these episodes out, especially, especially because the last podcast episode, I was talking so much about getting back into my routine and all these goals that I had. I said in some other episodes, I don't really want to apologize for my delay in getting these messages out and these podcast episodes out just because this is a passion project of mine. You know, I do have a job and I do have so many things that are going on, but I do apologize for the delay if only because I enjoy doing this so much and I miss this time that I get to spend with you. Thank you so much for those of you who've been sticking around and keeping in touch with me through my Tumblr, which is yourbigsisnisi.tumblr.com, as well as through the Instagram page, which is my strength and my shield, all one word on Instagram. And on Instagram, I've been having several conversations. You know, I try to be active on Instagram, commenting on other people's pages and posting interesting questions every so often. And today I decided to post a question about some topics that I was on my heart and wanted to know if you guys wanted to hear about it too. So it was on my heart to really talk about some things that have been popping up in pop culture. I wanted to talk a little bit about Kanye and his Sunday service. I wanted to talk about some of the comments that Fantasia Barino made about a woman and a man and a, how a man should lead. And I also left it open for you guys to give me suggestions for what you wanted me to talk about. And one of the suggestions that kind of fit with the two other topics was celebrity idolatry. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about something that has been happening on my Tumblr page, which is having a conversation about cheating. So all of that is summed up in this episode. And for those of you who are new here, the mini-sode is just a more informal chat. When I have an actual podcast episode, there's a format. The first section is about um, Bible study and spiritual care. The second section is a self-care section. And the last section, I answer questions that were sent in to me. It's something that I really prepare for. I have notes, I have structure, and I really try to make sure that you guys walk away with something tangible that you can apply to the rest of your life to really just help you continue to focus on your spiritual and your mental health. Um, and I also try to make sure that there's a worksheet that goes along with it. So if you go to www.mystrengthandmyshield.com, you'll see the worksheets that go with the podcast episodes. But the mini-sode episode's a little bit more informal. It's more of a chat. It's more of an update. It's more of a me just sharing some of the thoughts that I've had as I'm personally going through um, you know, my own life and the things that I prioritize for my own mental and spiritual care. So uh, before we get into all those topics, I do want to just give you guys an update with what's going on in my life. And I have been so busy. Um, I know that every podcaster or YouTuber that gets behind in posting says, I have been so busy, but I have been busy as well. I am a criminal defense attorney by day. I'm a public defender here in Brooklyn. Um, and if you guys don't know what that job entails, it requires me to be in court 90 to 80, 80 to 90% of the time. I'm in court advocating for clients. Sometimes I have to work nights and weekends. In fact, this Saturday night, I have to work from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. So that's been something that's affected my schedule. And I've shared on this podcast how working this job requires me to take time for self-care. And that means that something has to give. I do believe in this idea of having a well-balanced life. And what that means is sometimes things have to suffer. Um, and unfortunately, this podcast has been one of those things. But um, I hope you don't think that that means that I don't care. I just hope that you see just how busy I am. Because in addition to being a criminal defense attorney by day, I am also a professor. I currently teach um, and I teach criminology to college kids. And in that course, I'm teaching them about criminal law and the criminal justice system and the theory and the sociology behind crime and punishment and the statistics in the United States. It's actually been a really great experience. Um, I really wanted to do this job because I have a passion for criminal law. And I think that there are times in my job where I can get a little bit jaded because working in the system is so difficult. Constantly seeing black and brown people being denied their rights and you know prosecutors overcharging and 
all the things that go behind the scenes, I was starting to feel jaded. So teaching these kids, you know, these freshmen, teaching them about criminal law, and they're all criminal justice majors, and they're super excited about the topic, really just makes me feel empowered um, teaching them and talking about these topics. So I taught, I teach on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and I taught on Tuesday, and what I talked to them was about the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendment of the Constitution, and how those amendments are protections pertaining to criminal law. So you get the right to remain silent, pleading the fifth, that's from the fifth amendment. You get your right to due process, which is from the sixth amendment. And you get the right to be protected from illegal search and seizures or unreasonable search and seizures from the fourth amendment. Really fascinating conversation. These kids are on it in terms of having questions about why the cops do this and why do the prosecutors do that. So that you know particular lesson was really focused on talking and I really like when the students are engaged sometimes I just have to lecture but on Tuesday I really got a chance to talk to them and which is good because they have a quiz coming up tomorrow which is Thursday so I hope that they're as engaged with the text and the homework as they are when they're in class um, in addition to that I am preparing for my marriage and it is in full swing you guys I'm getting married in February of 2020 that is a little bit over five uh, four months away so we're just under five months and Full swing preparation. I have, um, I'm helping my mom plan the bridal shower. So when it comes to the bridal shower, that includes going to the venue, communicating with caterers, um, going to different um, places to get props for the event, like flower walls and cutlery and all of those things. Um, going to the venue to take pictures. The people who will actually be running the event will be my little sister and my fiance's little sister, as well as one of my closest friends who's gonna help like host the thing. But I have a vision for my bridal shower, and I know a lot of people, a lot of brides don't plan their own bridal shower, but. I really wanted this bridal shower to not just be about me, but for the women who have been so influential in helping me become the woman that I am as I'm preparing to be somebody's wife and to be in a partnership that I'm praying will last for the rest of our lives. And I really wanted it to celebrate them. So I have all these things in terms of favors and giveaways and all this thing that really is supposed to be about celebrating them. And so I wanted to be a little bit more hands-on and obviously that requires more work for me. I'm also involved in ministry. I'm currently the first chair of the um, young adult ministry. Um, we're called Evolve. Uh, that's been a fascinating project because we are starting it from scratch. There was a young adult ministry and I think what happened was as people age out, as people get married and have kids and they start to join the men's ministry, the women's ministry, um, they start to let that ministry falter. So my goal in being first chair is to really establish a structure that number one means that the people on the board are not burnt out. So no, we do not have events every month or every uh, couple of weeks. We have one uh, every quarter. So we're really only doing four month, uh, four events a year, which is great because the church is doing so many things. And it really just allows me to use my skills as an organizer to help empower those who are millennials the age group is 25 to 45 because there's this idea that millennials are not going to church that we're not interested in faith and we're not interested in spiritual care and i just don't believe that um, one because i'm a millennial that's active in my church two because i know that there's a hunger in our society people are looking for something and if the church can figure it out we can let them know and spread the gospel that what you're looking for can only be found in jesus christ and also it's just not true that it's millennials who are not going to church people across all generations have stopped going to church that might be related to um, matters having to do with convenience and people wanting to do live stream instead of going in person. That might be because the church has let some people down and generation after generation of that trauma, it's something that needs to be healed. The church needs to be healed. That we're in a society focusing on things like the Me Too movement and sexual assault. And there's things within the church, including the Catholic church and other Pentecostal churches that need to be addressed. So we can't just say that millennials are not showing up. Young people are here and we're talented and we want to help out, but that requires us to one, feel empowered to do so, and two, to be uh, given the autonomy to create programming for ourselves instead of just old people saying, all right, old people, that's rude. People of a different generation uh, telling us what they think millennials should be doing. So that's something that I am occupied with that requires me to have meetings every other Wednesday as well as the first Friday of every month. Um, I'm also going to be participating. We have a family 
Family Life Conference uh, coming up in October, and I will be doing a presentation basically on that topic about millennials and how we need to change the way we talk to millennials. If you want the church to raise up leaders, it's my generation. It's not just the kids. It's not just college kids. It's actually people who are in their 30s that want to dig in to something that they can feel invested in. Um, in addition to that, I'm already exhausted thinking about it. I'm also planning, I talked about the bridal shower. I'm also talking about the, the wedding itself, um, getting together the bridesmaids dresses, getting together the flowers and the venues and the vendors, the photo booth, the DJ, photographer and videographer, because the photographer doesn't do videography. It's so many different pieces that are coming together, but I will just say that I'm grateful for my partner. He's very encouraging and supportive and he helps where he can and where he can't, he is always there to be like, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for taking this on. And I really do appreciate him for that because to be honest with you, I see why planning a wedding is stressful. At this point, the guest list is at two, uh, 385. I'm hoping that only 325 or 300 to 325 show up. And it's because there's a lot of people in his life and in my life that we absolutely want to have on our big day. And I think it's interesting because, you know, especially when we're talking about larger weddings, there's this notion that's like, well, why would you have a large expensive wedding and not just save your money? The blessing is that we will be able to pay for our wedding cash and we anticipate getting that money back when we have our guests because we're inviting people that, not just everybody, and I've shared before that my fiance is the son of pastors and so there is a large amount of people within the congregation that want to be there, but we're really focusing on the people that we know will see our future and want to invest in that. So we're not having a wedding registry for our wedding. We're just asking for donations. Why? Because my fiance and I will be moving into an apartment and we have dreams of having our own home and we have dreams of setting money up because we want to start trying to have children as soon as we get married. And I think that it's an opportunity for people to give back. So we're not concerned about that. We're not going into debt planning our wedding. And gratefully, we have our parents that have been able to help out as well. Uh, my mom is basically, she she's paying for the bridal shower, my dress and my hair and my makeup. Um, and she's also doing the photographer and videographer. His parents are doing the flowers and decor, the cake and the invitations, as well as I believe the rehearsal dinner. And all of these things, like if you were to add it all up together, it is expensive. But I just am grateful for the support that we have from the people from our village that really are invested because me and him have been together for such a long time and there's so much love there and our testimony is beyond just wanting to have a special day. I'm excited for the honeymoon. Girl, I am excited for the honeymoon. Like, I can't even explain how I'm... And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know exactly why I'm excited for the honeymoon. Um, but in addition, there's just so much to celebrate and I'm very excited. I'm stressed, um, not in a way that's like I'm overwhelmed, but just because... There is a stress in also taking care of yourself. If I'm not getting sleep, I have to push myself to make sure that I go to bed. I also run Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the morning with my mom and my dog at 5.30 in the morning. And I've been consistent for the past, I believe it's been 10, 10 or 11 weeks um, based on my Nike Run app. And it's something that I have to prioritize. So it means that I might have meetings for church or meetings for the wedding and I have to just get it all together. So. That's where I've been. I hope you understand that having two jobs, planning the wedding, the bridal shower, um, you know, getting involved with ministry and all the things that I'm trying to do, it means that I'm busy. But I hope you know that even when I'm not doing the podcast, I'm praying about you guys. I'm praying to, you know, to God about all the struggles that we've been having, a lot of the things that we've discussed in this podcast. It's not you, just you guys who are struggling. I'm struggling too. And I'm grateful that we have this place where we can just fellowship and talk about things that matter to us. So that is my long introduction and update to what's going on with my life. And we can go ahead and get started with the topics that I wanted to discuss. Before we get into that, of course, I want to pray. Of course, I want to get started. I'm not going to let the episode continue. I'm never going to have an episode where I'm not praying. So if you have an opportunity to just lend your spirit in my direction, if you can close your eyes and listen to my voice, if not, just, you know, give yourself, take a couple of deep breaths and have this be a peaceful moment. And let's focus on God and let's focus on our mental and spiritual health. And let's just focus on using this time wisely that you're not passively just listening to this podcast episode. Even though it's an informal episode, I still want it to be something that you and I can grow from. So that being said, I'm going to move forward with prayer. Dear Lord, 
thank you for this opportunity to just catch up. And I really am excited to be getting into this podcast because I really do think it's like coming back to talk to old friends. There's so many things going on around us in the culture and in politics. And what is difficult is trying to navigate being a man or woman of God, being a person who wants to prioritize our spiritual care when there's so much chaos going around. There's moments when we feel like we're doing our best and our best is just not enough. And we're exhausted, dear Lord. There's so much going on. And now that it's approaching fall and the seasons are changing, some of us are dealing with seasonal affective disorder. Some of us are taking a hit from starting school and feeling overwhelmed by just how quickly the coursework adds up, dear Lord. I pray that we use this time to just focus on you and talk about the things that are going on in our society while still centering on you. Let us not be so swayed by culture that we forget what's really important. Let's not get so distracted but why, but about what everyone else is doing that we forget that at the end of the day, it's about you because life is too short for us to spend our time running around trying to chase somebody else's dream or somebody else's purpose. Let us focus on you. Let us use this as a time to weed out the noise and the distractions and focus on you. So whoever's listening to this podcast episode, I pray that they're coming with an open mind and an open heart, a time to, this is our time to engage in dialogue and discussion and to just have a catch-up session. And I pray that they still have an opportunity to find God in this, that whoever is listening can still hear you, dear Lord, and that I'm not just speaking only from my examples and my perspective, but I'm praying that you give me a word in season that we can discuss things that will touch people where they are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so diving right into the topics of this mini-sode. And the mini-sode, like I said, it's more informal. It's also going to be shorter. So these are kind of just like the hot topics that I thought were relevant and my quick takes on them. Now, obviously, you know, it takes me a while to put out a podcast episode. So if you're tired of hearing it and you're like, oh, girl, that happened a couple of days ago. I'm not the person that's up on all the celebrity things going on. Um, Not because I don't find some of that stuff interesting. I just... I try to distance myself so I'm not so consumed with popular culture. But there are some things that have permeated even into my isolated area of the internet, and I really wanted to talk about them. So the first thing is this whole idea of Kanye and his Kanye um, and his Sunday services. If you don't know, Kanye has been having these mini concerts um, where he is performing gospel music or remixing music and playing gospel tracks or playing gospel music over hip hop beats. And um, there's just this uprising in his involvement with his faith. And more recently, it's cultivated in him performing in front of a church in Atlanta. And he's been talking a lot about his faith and that he wants to show people that Jesus is the only way. And... I just wanted to share my thoughts on it. And there's no need for me to try to convince you. I'm just sharing my perspective. And I'm just here to say that I don't trust it. Um, I don't really trust what Kanye's trying to sell me. I don't buy it. Um, and it's not about his personal faith. It's about my personal discernment. Discernment is that voice at the back of your head, that small, still voice that is connected to God that lets you know when something is right or wrong. So discernment is that feeling that's like, okay, this isn't right, and maybe I shouldn't do that, and maybe I should make this choice. Sometimes it's hard for us to decide what to do in our life, and discernment is the ability to be connected to God and make choices in our life centered around God. So based off of my discernment so far, it doesn't feel right. That's not to say that Kanye can't change my mind. You know, I'm not trying to say that the Sunday service is something that's negative to the faith. But, you know, I I just really center on the fact that Jesus was able to spread the gospel without trying to make a dollar, right? So one thing I want to point out, you know, at Coachella, Kanye performed and he was selling merchandise. And it wasn't just Kanye West merchandise. It was like you know, shirts that said, trust God and all these sayings about faith and which is great, but he was charging the same amount that he would have for any merch or for his Yeezus line, you know, those same beige sweatshirts. And it just happens to say, trust God on it. And, you know, Jesus walks, he was selling like $50 socks and I just don't buy it. I don't buy it because, you know, it says in the Bible that it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Like it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for an, uh, a wealthy person to go to heaven. And that concept is really around the fact that when you have much, you're supposed to do much with that money. So this idea that this super wealthy man is trying to use God and the faith to make money, I just don't buy it. Um, it would be different if he had these pop-up concerts and they were free and they were really just about highlighting local artists and you know preaching the gospel and he took time to share his testimony. That would be one thing. But his connection to trying to make a buck off of it, it feels opportunistic, you know? And it feels like a politician. You know, there are times when politicians, white politicians, when they're trying to get the black vote, what do they do? They go to the black church. They go there because they think they can say amen and hallelujah and suddenly they know how to tug on our heartstrings, our emotional and religious heartstrings. And the thing about it is a lot of us were not happy with Kanye. Once he started supporting Donald Trump and getting into his whole troll, you know, trolling, making America great again foolishness, a lot of us were turned off. And so he has this whole new album that's coming up that has a title that is connected to religion and faith. And I don't think it's a, a mistake that he's now suddenly doing all these um, Sunday service. It feels like promotion. It feels like an, a stunt. You know, back when they used to do flash mobs, that's what this feels like. It feels like a, a publicity stunt, an opportunity to make a buck. And that's not to say that a person is not allowed to testify, but I just don't trust it. And I think what's important in not just talking about Kanye, but in general, you have to be able to trust the person that's leading you. Like leadership is not just about um, having a platform and having a lot to say. It's about, do you trust this person? Do you trust that they are actively working on their faith? Yes, that's important. But do you trust their judgment? Do you trust that if I listen to what they have to say, the words that come out of their mouth, do I feel like they feel convicted, that they've been praying about it, that they have their own spiritual walk? These are things that are important to consider, you know? And to me, Kanye hasn't shown himself to be trustworthy. All of the comments about Make America Great Again and turning his back on black people until it's time to sell an album, he's done that before. He's done that as a publicity stunt and, you know, using his relationships as a way for to get us interested in his albums and using his capital as a celebrity as a way to get us to do get involved in his album. And I feel like this is the same thing. Um, and I also think that this is a testament to you guys, like those of you who are out here who are wanting to get involved in leadership or in ministry work, you have to be mindful of your testimony. How you behave is either going to turn someone away from God or towards God. And yeah, I think that Kanye can do a great amount of work because he has that platform. But for me, you know, when I walk around as a Christian, I have to remind myself constantly that I might be someone's first interaction with God. I might be their only representation of Jesus Christ. That there are people who have had bad experiences in church and they're looking for someone to show them there that, that there's other kinds of Christians, that there's other kinds of faith. We are called to be lights in, of the world. We're called to be examples of God's love on this earth. And I just don't see how that message is being propagated by propaganda and by trying to make a dollar. And so when I think about it, as I'm getting involved with ministry work, Am I representing God well? Does it mean I'm perfect? No, I have issues, I have sins, I have things that I'm struggling with, especially as I'm doing a lot of reflection and preparing for marriage. There's a ton of things that I have to work on. But I do believe that if I'm gonna get in front of people and give them advice or share my, my testimony, I have to be able to show God's grace through it. I have to show that I'm working on myself, but it's my connection with God that is making me grow. And I just have to ask, you know, is, is Kanye representing God well? And I don't know. I don't think I've seen enough from him that's going to require me to follow him. Because that's what it is. When you spend your dollars as a consumer, you're following them. You're, you're investing. You're, you're putting your money behind your beliefs. And I don't know if I believe in Kanye. I don't. Um, I don't believe in his brand. I don't believe that I need to give him my money. I think that there's a lot of people who are doing uh, God's work for free, uh, ministry work, work with uh, the mentally ill, men and people who are disabled, people who are poor, veterans, um, nuns doing work for free. There's so many ways that we can use our money to glorify the kingdom, tithing, offerings, so much more than giving Kanye West $50 for some socks, period. And that's not a judgment of him as a person. Any person can share their testimony. Like that's what we're called to do. As a Christian, you're called to be a witness. You're called to be a disciple. So 
if this is his attempt to be a disciple and he is genuinely working on his faith, I 100% am in support of that. You know, I think that anyone can share their testimony, but I have to be mindful of what I consume. I have to be mindful of my own testimony and I have to be mindful of my own spirit. And what that means is sometimes when I watch TV, if it's too much, I turn it off. There's certain music I can't listen to anymore. You know, and it's because my spirit won't allow me to engage in certain behavior. And I think that following Kanye without using discernment and figuring out if he's actually someone that's trustworthy, it would be a detriment to my spiritual growth. And it would be an example of me following someone because they're a celebrity and not because I feel a spiritual connection to them. Okay. And, you know, you have to be careful with what you consume too. You can't listen to every pastor. Not every pastor is someone that you should be listening to. You know, there are great pastors that are in small churches and also in large churches. There's terrible pastors in small churches and in large churches. You should be figuring out, do you trust this person? Do you have a relationship with your pastor? I think that if you're in a church, you should make an appointment to talk to your pastor. Your pastor should not just be someone on the stage. It should be someone who's accessible to you. So if you're in a church when you're not accessible to your pastor and there's not transparency about what's going on with the church, then you should leave. And I think that that's the other issue I have with Kanye is I don't see the transparency and I don't see the long tested visual of him really investing in um, spreading the message. I think that he's very egotistic and I think he's a narcissist. And I think that it's very interesting how the placement of doing all these Sunday services and I'm suspicious of it. And that's not a judgment. You should be cautious of anything that you let into your life, the intention behind any words that you listen to. And, you know... This isn't the first time that Kanye has talked about faith. He had the song Jesus Walks, and he's talked about the fact that he's, um, you know, a spiritual man. So this isn't a condemnation of who he is as a person. And I'm not even questioning whether or not he is a Christian. You know, I believe he's a Christian. He's talking about Christ. He's given his life to Christ. But just because he's a Christian doesn't mean I have to follow him. And just because he has a platform doesn't mean I have to listen. I can still use my discernment and decide if I'm really into it. And I decide who I invest in and who I believe in by showing where I put my money. I tithe and I give offering. And if I were to give money to Kanye, whether it's through streams of his, his album, buying his single or buying any of his merchandise, I would be showing that I'm, you know, I believe in what he's saying. And right now I don't buy it. And what I'd have to see is, does Kanye continue with his discipleship after the album is done? If he has another album, another 808s and Heartbreaks, and, or he switches and now he wants to be a country music star, does he change and he's no longer talking about his faith? I'm not trying to have an I told you so moment. I'm not trying to get Kanye caught up. What I'm saying is I need to see a little bit more. And you can be different. You can be interested in the way that we are taking a modern spin on the faith. But I do think that certain things are traditional for a reason. And I would side-eye someone that's trying to take the faith too far in a different direction. So those are my thoughts on Kanye and his um, Sunday service. The next thing that I wanted to talk about was the comments made by Fantasia. So if you are a person who is also not up and up on what the, the people are listening to um, on the radio, um, there was an interview by Fantasia Barino on um, The Breakfast Club. And the interesting thing is, you know, I'm a big fan of Fantasia. I'm a big fan of her music and her voice. Her, she has a God-given voice. Um, she has the kind of voice that can bring you to your tears. She has that old school black singing with soul voice. It's not just a pretty singing. Sometimes it's ugly because she's singing about hurt and pain and what's real. And that's music that I can gravitate towards. So I'm not a fan because I'm not really a fan of anything, but I respect her skill and her talent. So in this episode, not episode, in this um, interview, she was talking about her marriage and she's a happily married woman. I don't know too much about the guy that she's married to, but she says that she's happy and it. I don't have any um, evidence to believe otherwise. So she was talking about gender roles. And so I'm going to read some of the quotes that she read from the interview, and then I'm going to share my thoughts. She says, we need more men to stand up and lead the way. Most women are trying to be the leader. That's why you can't find a man. You can't be the king in the house. Fall back and be the queen and let your man lead the way. The next thing that she says, so that's just the first quote. The sec next one is, I feel like it's a generational thing and we can talk and we can go real deep on that. I don't need to start that, but it's a generational curse in how society has placed our men and women to have to and place our men and women have to stand up and be the mother and the father and the provider. So now you're so bad, you can't be told nothing that when the right man comes, you lose him because you're trying to be the man. 
And then the last part, she says, at the end of the day, I'm the neck, my man's the head. So he can't make my many, any moves without his wife. It all works together, but you can't be the head of the house. You got to let the man be the head of the house. It's a generational thing. And it's what we've been taught. Stand up, be strong. And a dude comes in everything about you as a man. You have to learn how to submit. You can still be a queen. A king needs his queen. It's certain things that he can't see that we see. Anybody play chess? We work together, but the queen has to sit back and allow the king to be the king. First off, I'm sick and tired of black folk making chess references, and they don't even know anything about chess. Because honestly, in the whole game of chess, the queen is the most powerful player because she can move in so many different ways. And the king is limited and vulnerable because if you capture the king, you lose the game. If the, you know, when you have um, the king is threatened, everyone else has to galvanize to protect him. And I think that's a really big symbol for how we are in the black community and how oftentimes we are just so protective of our, of our men and we have it be the detriment to our position as women. So let me get into my thoughts, okay? I'm gonna break each quote down. So the idea of we need more men to stand up and lead the way, I 100% agree. I think there's too many examples of men who want the person they date to take the place of their mother and who are not really prepared to be in leadership roles. And the thing about it is I fault that with the way that they're raised, not necessarily just as a, it's not a black people pathology thing, because there are some black men who have the power to lead and have the authority and the intellect to lead. But a lot of it is that a lot of men are placed into leadership positions and they don't deserve it. And that's the issue that I have with really talking about a man being in a leadership position. Because first off, no woman should be talking about a man leading them if they're not married. If we're dating, I don't need anybody to lead me, okay? Second, we're talking about a relationship between a Christian man and a Christian woman. So don't talk to me about being a Christian woman and having just any old man lead you. That's what I'm saying about trusting leadership and a person has to earn your respect and your trust. If a man hasn't shown you that he's trustworthy and that he's a man of God and that he would never abuse that role, then there's no need for you to just give it to him. Why? Because he has a penis? We're supposed to just let any man lead us? No, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I don't really like the way that it's phrased when it's like a woman should be a woman and a man should be a man because a woman can have masculine traits and a man can have feminine traits and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think when we focus on that polarizing a man is a man and a woman is a woman, we don't allow men to be emotional and we don't allow women to be vulnerable. We don't allow people to just be authentically themselves because they're so busy trying to satisfy gender roles. So that's how you have men who can only express themselves in being angry or in their sexual conquest. And that's when you have women who are desperate to seek the attention of men because they don't have their own sense of self. I don't like splitting it into man and woman in that kind of way. I do believe that there's a specific role that a wife and a husband should play and that if you're going to be in a relationship, you should complement each other. So I do think that there are ways that women do tend to be more nurturing and whether that's out of biology or because that's the way we've been nurtured culturally, I can recognize that as a woman, I have been a person who is raised not necessarily to nurture but to be caring and loving and that is going to filter into my relationships now does that mean that i need a man to walk all over me no it means i also need a partner who's willing to be warm and compassionate because that means he's compatible with me and i think when it comes to relationships it's about compatibility and also um being um it's like compatibility between each other and also within the roles that you play Okay, so I don't like this whole a woman is trying to be a leader and that that makes them manly. Leadership skills are something that you're blessed with. You can be a leader as a man and a, or as a woman. There are some phenomenal women pastors, specifically even in my church. Um, my fiance's father is a pastor and so is his mother. And his mother does amazing work um, in with the nonprofit that they have, the Hope Center. Um, she does grant work. She has a history in um, being, she before she got involved in ministry, she um, studied biology and she was doing research and she devoted her time now to ministry. But she's an intelligent, powerful, amazing woman and she is her husband's partner. She's not beneath her husband. They have different roles and different um, blessings. 
And so I, as a woman, can have a different blessing than my husband, but it doesn't mean that I can't be a leader. And so I think this idea of a woman being submissive is tied too closely to a woman being weak and a man being strong. Being submissive is more so about trust, right? So if I'm allowing my husband to lead, it's because I make the choice and I say, hmm, Nisi, do you trust this man? Do you trust this man to go to um, the to make a call to Geico and handle the insurance on the home in the car? Do I trust him to make decisions about, you know, if I'm not available and my child is sick, do I trust him to talk to the doctor? Do I trust him in a way that doesn't require me to nag him and be his mother? That's what it means to me to let a man lead. It doesn't mean that he's controlling. It doesn't mean that he tells me what to do. Do I trust this man enough that I could see him making decisions for my household? And I wish that we talked a lot more about that because this idea of a woman being submissive is not the same as a woman being weak. And I don't even like the analogy of the woman being the neck because that's still trying to, it sounds manipulative, right? This idea that, well, we can't make no moves unless I say, you're still in control. So this idea that you're letting a man lead, but you're telling him what to do, you're not actually allowing him to lead. For me, for my fiance, I trust him. Him and I have different ways of approaching the same issue we, you know, I tend to be more detailing oriented. He tends to be more of a big picture person. Um, and he's also very strong in his faith. And so I do trust him to lead me towards God. It's important that when you're talking about whether or not a man can lead, it's what are you telling him that he is able to lead? Is he able to lead you and tell you what you wear? That's not, I wouldn't agree with that. But I would say, do I trust him as in a leadership role? Do I trust him to pray with me and my kids? Do I trust him with our finances? Do I trust him to not cheat? Do I trust him? Like to me, if you if you substituted the word submissive with trust, instead of saying submit to your husbands, it was trust your husbands. I think that women would see it in a different way. And I think that the church needs to work on how they phrase it. Because then you get people like Fantasia who are, is just regurgitating you know, old adages and cliches, and it's not really saying much. They're just repeating stuff. Nothing about what Fantasia said is new, but I would just encourage you to really just seek God's guidance when you're talking about how you should date. And it's not just, well, let a man be a man, because if you don't see God in that man, you shouldn't even be thinking, you shouldn't be dating him. So I, I, I said it in the last, another episode that when I talk about letting a man lead, it's to me, do I trust him? Do I allow him to be autonomous or do I feel like I have to be his mother and nag him? And do I just believe in him and his spiritual growth? Do I believe that I don't need to tell a man to do his Bible study, that I don't need to bring him to church? Um, you know, one of the things that I have been doing with my fiance, in addition to the fact that we go to premarital counseling, we've been doing Bible study plans. And the one that we had was so powerful. It was so beautiful. We've done several of them specifically with marriage. And the one that was the most recent, we got so raw and vulnerable and honest. It was like the, the guided questions got us so deep into the walls that we've built up, into the trauma that we have as kids, the trauma that we didn't even know was trauma. And we were just so, like there were things that I was trying to rush past and my fiance stopped me and was like, look, no, 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 let's talk about that. How did that make you feel? And I could feel him wanting to know me deeper and in a more intimate way. And I trust him. I trust him with my values. I trust him. You know, I think it's important for a woman to figure out if they can trust a man, because especially if you're planning on having kids with him, do you trust him to take care of your body? Do you trust him to take care of your spirit? Do you trust him to take care of your kids? And so that's why I have a frustration with what Fantasia is saying, because I know what she's trying to say, but she's not saying it in a way that is inspiring. She's actually saying it in a way that's disparaging. So one of the things that I've really frustrated on with what she said is, you know, what's messed up is she's acting like she knows the key for other women to get a man, that she knows what you got to do and you just got to submit, ladies. That's why you don't have a man. She's wrong. Because that's not the only reason why we don't have a man. A lot of times you don't have a man because the pickings are slim. Because if you're a person that does want a man to lead and you need to see him prove his leadership, that means that your pool is smaller. Because if you just want to let any old man run your life, you can find him on the street. But if you want to see someone who's actually a leader who's proven to you that he can be trusted, those men are few and far between. The other issue I have is like, you know, a lot of times as women, once you are in a really loving relationship, you feel like you want to give others the key. But the problem is that she doesn't know the key to getting a man. She knows the key to getting her man. It works for her and her husband. Her understanding of what it means to submit, and obviously this was just an interview, so I don't know their life choices. 
you know, because it's my understanding, you know, it's really interesting how people will say it's important for a man to lead. And, you know, they are dating people that aren't on their level, whether it's financially or education wise or, you know, and not to say that you need to if you have a master's date, someone who has a master's. But if you're not dating your equal and you're just allowing a man who to have authority over you just because he is a man, I question that. So this might work for Fantasia. But this idea that she has the key, she doesn't have the key because what she's saying isn't anything new. These are all things that women have had to grapple with for years. This idea of how do I do the performance of get in, in order so I get a man? What, what dance do I have to do so that I can get a man? At the end of the day, performing and being anything other than yourself is not authentic. So what I would encourage you to do is if you are having difficulty being getting a man, or if sometimes you've been told over and over that you're intimidating and people can approach you and that you have too many walls, I would encourage you to go to counseling because what I realized for me is I, I thought that I was this tough, abrasive person, and I realized that that part of my personality was a reaction to trauma. It's not actually who I was. I am a warm, loving, generous person. And first, I'm going to trust you if you give me reason to trust. But if you betray my trust, that doesn't mean, okay, I'm never going to trust again. It means that there's something wrong with you and I need to distance myself. Because a healthy person doesn't betray other people's trust intentionally. And so for me, if you, you've, if you realize that you're a person that is having difficulty with dating and having a difficulty connecting, going to therapy helps you to see the ways that you might have walls up based off of bad things that have gone on in your life. Deal with those things so that you can be your authentic self. But that's not the same as, oh, I'm going to write down what Fantasia said. If I just submit and laugh at all his jokes, even when he's not funny, this is how I'll get a man. Because I'll tell you this right now, a man you submit to can still cheat on you. So... Dating a Christian man doesn't mean that he's going to treat you right. So if you're not taking the time to make sure that you actually trust this man, and if you don't have the strength that even if he betrays that trust, it doesn't mean that you'll see him any differently or you'll become an untrusting person. Those are the things that I wish that people would focus on a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I really just think that that's important. And the other thing is that, you know, someone wrote into me as when I, like I said, the suggestion for the topics to talk about, and they talked about idolizing celebrity culture. The thing about it is, you know, I do from time to time look and see what the celebs are doing. And I think it's this way that when we see celebrities, there's this way to see when you see how many followers they have or how many people they have on Instagram and the thousands of likes they get. I think that we translate having a large platform with val um, validation and meaning. And that when you see a celebrity who has a large following, it means that they matter. And so in moments when you feel like you don't matter, you idolize the celebrities and think, if I was just like them, then my life would be better. And to be honest, there's too many celebrities that are committing suicide and are making bad life choices and have addiction to drugs. Um, there's too many examples for you to walk around thinking like that. You know, I've really just come to the understanding that like, you know, if you're walking around thinking a relationship is going to solve your problems, that's your fault at this point because there's too many examples of people who are in relationships and their life is terrible. You know good and well that trying to pursue somebody else's life is not going to lead to your own happiness. Seeking God, seeking healthy relationships that include boundaries, include standards, include you being able to be yourself authentically, those are things that are going to add fulfillment to your life. And what I've been really focusing on, um, the Bible study plan that I'm doing on my own, I'm doing Bible study with my fiance, but I have Bible study I do on my own. I'm currently in the process of reading a Bible plan that has me reading uh, the entire Bible in one year. And so I'm currently reading um, the Bible project, their Bible study plan. I'm on day 29 of reading the Bible. And what I see about the whole book of Genesis is that it's about relationship and how we're not meant to be by ourselves. So if you're sitting around by yourself, idolizing celebrities and all their fame, understand that some people can be a celebrity and still not have the ability to have healthy relationships. And I do think that we see God in our relationships, that we were not meant to be by ourselves, that in um, God creating Adam and Eve, he also created companionship. And that's what we're looking for. So a lot of the things that you feel like you're missing, the things that make you idolize celebrities can be found in healthy, loving relationships. And so I encourage you, even if you're an introvert, an introvert is not someone that just has social anxiety. Put yourself out there. Put yourself in positions where you're at least around other people that have similar interests with you. Join a club. Do a, you know, discover your passion. 
Um, you know, make some friends, put yourself out there. And if you get rejected, that's not a testament to you not being worthy. It just means that you haven't found your fit yet. And so when it comes to idolizing celebrity culture, I would just encourage you to get away from that mindset and to really just focus on reality and root yourself in relationships. Because when you're busy pursuing your passion and you're developing relationships, you don't have time to figure out exactly what is going on between, you know, the Kardashian sisters and, you know, what's going on. You know, a lot of the stuff I know about celebrities really comes from memes. You know, right now I'm cackling about Kiki Palmer talking about, I'm sorry to that man. I, I wouldn't know him if you, if I saw him on the street. That has me dying. So that's the extent of how much I know about celebrity gossip and things like that. But even then, I still have to walk away from Instagram or unfollow accounts. Um, I unfollowed the Shade Room and Media Takeout a long time ago because I just realized it wasn't doing me any good. And idolizing other people is just not going to be healthy. The last thing that I want to talk about, and I know this is supposed to be a quick episode, but here we are talking and I'm having a good time and I just want to share my thoughts. I had a question that was sent in to me, um, to my Tumblr, and I want to share my thoughts, both my response to the questions and then also the, t the thoughts that I had um, that I think was a conversation about cheating that I really would like to have. So I had the question that was sent in was, I've never cheated before and I was really always against it. And then I did. When I was with my boyfriend, he's always on his phone, but when I'm not, he never texts me. I'd complain. He says he's busy, but I see him active on social media. I made the effort with his family. He never did with mine. Everything built up and I ended up cheating. I broke up with him immediately and now I feel disgusted with myself. I can't believe I did something despicable to someone I claimed I love. Do you have any advice about how to get over this feeling? And this is my response. You cheated because you chose to. And pretending that it was your boyfriend's fault is really a problem. You need to not just acknowledge what you did. You need to take ownership of it because you did cheat. You chose to cheat and you did it because you wanted to. If you weren't happy with the relationship, you could have ended it before you cheated. Don't think that ending the relationship after you cheated makes it okay. Being disgusted with yourself doesn't help anything because truly moving forward requires you to accept what you did, take ownership and commit to never doing it again. Look at what you did and why you chose the cowardly way out. What you can do in the future um, to make sure that you won't do it again. The difference between a cheater and a person who cheated is whether or not you allow it to be a character trait. You blaming your boyfriend is exactly what a cheater would do. If you intend to not be this person, then just like you chose to cheat, you have to choose to never do it again. And the reason why I talked about it and, you know, I did have a follow-up question that was sent in to me. So the person said, just to follow up on that response you gave that person, so you don't think that the way a partner treats you or lack thereof can give you reasons to cheat? My response was, no. If your partner is not treating you right, then leave. A bad relationship is not a reason to cheat. It's a reason to leave. Cheating is cowardly and never okay. You can justify it all you want. It happens all the time. But in my opinion, if you're not happy, leave. For me, I have integrity and I would never put myself in a position to be called a cheater. I would never want to soil who I am by cheating. If I'm not happy, it's time to go. I'm not going to do something wrong because my partner is doing something wrong. I deserve better than that. I deserve to be more than a cheater. I'm here to love and support. I'm not going to risk my integrity and my character and my standards to cheat. I'm not going to put myself in a place where I have to look in my mirror and see myself in that way. I deserve way better than that. And so basically what was forming in my head was, you know, why would I need permission to cheat? So your partner doesn't treat you right and the solution is to cheat? Does that make you feel better about the hurt? And I basically said, you know, I can't imagine that cheating would make me feel better. I have no desire to cheat. So I don't look at mistreatment from someone else and go, well, now I can cheat like I've always wanted to. If you cheat, it's because you wanted to and now you have a reason to do so. If you have no desire to cheat, if that's not who you are, no matter how bad it gets, you won't cheat because you don't see a benefit in cheating. The benefit I would see is leaving. That's all the benefits. But cheating itself, that solves nothing and it taints how I see myself. Why would I want to do that? Because here's the thing. There are terrible things that happen to people when, and, and there are things that make them feel low and desperate or lost and helpless. And so there are things we do in an instant that we will regret later. So I'm not here to judge someone for cheating. But what I am saying is that there is nothing attractive about cheating to me. The idea of stepping out on my relationship or any relationship feels gross to me. It's not something that I will do because for me, cheating is wrong. 
you know, and, and what I will say is, you know, you're talking to a person who's abstaining from sex until marriage. So the idea of having sex with someone who isn't my husband doesn't feel right to me. There's nothing attractive or appealing to me. So even if the relationship is suffering, if I can't work it out with my partner, that means I need to go. No matter how lonely I am or how unloved I feel, I'm not cheating. I'd rather leave and be on my own. Because really, you know, what it comes down to is I don't want to be a cheater. Now, I think that people sometimes feel like when you're in a relationship, that's why I hate the, you know, the idea of the wife being the ball and chain and the only reason that I'm not doing something is because if the other partner found out, they would be upset. If that's your reason for not cheating on someone, that's a problem. To me, I'm not going to cheat because I'm not a cheater. I don't want to know somebody in that kind of way if I'm not married. I don't want, you know, I can feel lonely and desperate. And if that's the case, then I need to leave my relationship. Then I need to work it out in my marriage or I need to go. I don't think that the solution is cheating. And I think there's too much of a conversation of the aftermath of cheating and not enough of a conversation about how do you get into the mindset where cheating is not even attractive to you? And how do you make sure that your partner has that mindset as well? Are you dating someone who you have to tell them not to flirt with other people, not to make comments um, and send the message on Instagram? There are some people who genuinely just want to be monogamous. I'm one of those people. There are men out there who just want to be in monogamous relationships. I believe I'm dating a man who's like that, who cares about family and who cares about me and doesn't want to ruin that because of some instant that could change the rest of our lives. Does that mean that I'm perfect or that he's perfect? I, I don't know. Well, I know that we're not perfect, but I don't know what the future holds. But what I will say is in this moment, I don't even have that on my heart. And I think that cheating is wrong. I think if someone is mistreating you, you don't get back at them by cheating. It's too much of a risk to my spirit. Um, having that kind of intimacy with someone that I don't know, um, having sex with someone I don't know, kissing someone that I don't know, there's too many risks to pregnancies and STDs and too many costs to my spirit. I wouldn't feel right with me. You know, if I'm sitting here saying I would never cheat and then in 20, in two years I go and decide to cheat, I would feel terrible about myself. I'd feel like a complete hypocrite. Why would I put myself in that situation? If I'm not happy in my relationship, then I need to end it. And, you know, people throw out, well, what if, you know, the partner is abusive or what if da -da -da? the solution is still the same? Leave the relationship. Find a way to do it. Find a way to leave in a way that makes you feel safe and happy because this is not worth it. Cheating is not worth it. Not just be, you, you know, it shouldn't just be I'm not going to cheat because my partner doesn't want me to. It's I'm not going to cheat because I'm not a cheater. I wouldn't do that to somebody else. And I don't want someone to do that to me. And I just wouldn't put that out there. I would never just, you know, because that's how people end up cheating. It's because you think, well, my partner won't found out, so it's okay. But if you don't have a desire in your heart to cheat, if you have the most attractive, beautiful, excellent person in front of you and you still make the choice, you know what? I would never do that. Never do that to my partner. Then you won't cheat. Woo! So that brings us to the end of this mini-sode episode, this not-so-mini episode. And to be honest, it's a long episode because it's been a while and I am just... I just love being behind the mic and engaging with you guys. And it might feel weird because I'm by myself in front of a microphone recording. But after the podcast goes up, when I get your feedback, when I hear your thoughts and we continue the conversation off of the podcast, that's what makes me really excited. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead, go to iTunes, leave a comment or a rating. We're at 202 comments, which is phenomenal. I would love to see that number continue to grow so that we can continue to have these conversations together. And if you have any things that you'd like me to talk about in the next podcast episode, you can follow me at my strength and my shield, all one word on Instagram. You can send me an email at strength and shield podcast, all one word at gmail.com. Or you can shoot me a message on my Tumblr, which is my big sis Nisi. That's M Y B I G S I S N I S S I dot Tumblr.com. Until the next episode, take care of yourself, beloved. <laughs>